glad that we have a loving God, a loving Savior who gave His life for us. I appreciate all the good songs we've heard this morning, all the special singing and the choir singing. appreciate your presence here this morning. And uh, I do have a message today. Uh, it's going to be in the book of Psalms. Psalm 17 be taking our text from. And then we're going to look at a few verses in Psalm 139 as well. But Psalm 17, it's page 434 in your pew Bible. Psalm 17, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And then we'll go to Psalm 139, look at 14 through 18. If, you, uh, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Psalm 17, starting with verse 1. Here the Bible says, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of faint lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the past of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy past, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me. O God, incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by the right hand them which put their trust in thee, from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. Now, if you would please turn to Psalm 139. We'll look at verses 14 through 18 and we'll be finished reading. Psalm 139, verse 14. The Bible says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. God, I need your help today. Lord, I, I'm, I, I'm just unworthy, God, to stand here and deliver your word, Lord. I'm, I'm thankful, God, for this opportunity to be able to preach. God, we just want you to be exalted in this message today. Lord, may you be lifted up. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. A few years ago, someone I know made the comment that uh, she was, when God made her, He created a piece of junk. Um, I was heartbroken over that. That was my sister's daughter that said that. And I got to thinking about people that don't understand what God has done when He created them. How precious they are. 
in his sight and that God has never made anything that we can refer to as junk. The latest suicide statistics can be found from last year, in fact, 2022. The CDC has got the suicide statistics out there. There were 49,449 reported suicides in the United States alone last year. That is a record-breaking number of people taking their own lives. That's an average of 135 suicides a day. On the average, someone kills himself every 13.7 minutes. Ever since we started the service, someone, no doubt, has taken their life. Suicide is the tenth leading cause of death in the United States, which is even higher than homicide, which ranks 16th highest. There are nearly 1.7 million suicide attempts each year in the United States, and that's only the ones that's been reported. In the state of Tennessee, per capita, we are ranked 17th in the nation for the number of suicides. There were 1,220 suicides last year in our state, the ones that were reported. The states with the high suicide rates were Texas with 4,193, California with 4,148, and Florida with 3,351. All of this has taken place right here in the land of the free, the home of the brave and land of the, the free. Obviously, there is a problem going on in our land today. Here in our opening text, the psalmist King David, he's speaking directly to the Lord. These psalms that we read, they're both parts of prayers that were written in psalm form and, and spoken by King David. These are the feelings that are coming from his very soul because it says in verse 14 there of Psalm 139, he said that my soul knoweth right well. I want to preach a message this morning I've titled The Apple of God's Eye. The Apple of God's Eye. Now please don't misunderstand and think that I'm going to preach some kind of self-love, narcissistic message because that's not what this is about at all. This is not about me, myself, and I, and look how good I am or great I am. But rather, I believe that each one of us should realize and understand just how important we are in the eyes of God. Yes. How much we are loved by the very God of heaven, and how we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God and loved by Him. Sadly, there's a lot of people who do not understand that. David said in verse 8 there of our opening text in Psalm 17, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Now I'm sure you've heard that phrase in your lifetime, the apple of my eye. I've heard it all my life. I don't know if they still say it a lot anymore, but used to I heard it a lot. The apple of my eye. He's the apple of my eye. She's the apple of my eye. You know, whatever. And uh, it's been said for centuries, actually. And it, it, what it, it's referring to is something that we hold very precious, something that we don't want to lose, something we love with all of our hearts. That's how precious it is. We hold it as the apple of our eye. The phrase actually originates from the Bible. Here in our King James Bible, as we just read there in Psalm 17, it's, it's mentioned, the apple of the eye. And uh, these phrases are also used, and it's typically referring to the love that God has for His people Israel. I understand that. Deuteronomy 32 and 10, Proverbs 7 and 2, Lamentations 2 and 18, they all speak of the apple of the eye. 
But especially Zechariah 2 and 8, the Bible says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent thee unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. He's warning those that have touched Israel that they are the apple of his eye. And woe be to those that come against Israel. Speaking of Israel, I'm sure you know by now that they came under attack Saturday by the Hamas. Um, they were hit with over 3,500 rockets. And the last I checked right uh, before Sunday school started, and they said there was uh, over 600 Israelis that are, are dead now from the attacks the Hamas has, has given, and over 2,000 wounded. I believe it said there might have been 300 or 200 on the uh, in the Gaza on the Gaza side of the Hamas. But Israel now has officially declared war. Their government, the president, mentioned it yesterday, but they officially declared it war, and that's the first time they've declared war since 1973. Uh, these are perilous times we're living in. Uh, I know it's very important for the Lord what goes on in Israel, and it should be important to us as well. But for our message this morning, and, and listen, I, I think we ought to pray for Israel. I'm wearing my, my United States Israel pin up here today. If you happen to notice, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in supporting Israel. I believe that God loves uh, his people, yeah. and they will turn to him. Uh, they're going to hear the one that, uh, that uh, they, cr they cried, but. Listen, for the message this morning, I want us to see and understand how God feels, not just about Israel, but about all those that He has created. That would include you, and that would include me. That would include my niece that said that God created junk when she was born. David said in verse 14 of Psalm 139, he said, For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That sounds like a good King James quote, and we may see that in card sometime. You'll get a card and uh, send it uh, or to someone, and you may see that uh, quoted. Uh, but what does it actually mean? Well, that, that word fearfully right there, it has the meaning behind it of reverence. A reverence. Now, we know that uh, we are to fear the Lord. Uh, not that we're fearing He's going to strike us dead, but we fear Him out of reverence. Out of, because we know who He is. And we, uh, we hold him up in high esteem and reverence. Uh, but that's what that word fearfully actually means, is reverence. The creation of the human body by God is an amazing thing. Um, we are the apple of his eye, but uh, to think that God created man from the dust of the earth. You know, they sell all kinds of products to get rid of dust out of your house. God used what we just cast aside as something to make precious. Something fearfully and wonderfully made that he holds in high esteem as the apple of his eye. You know, men and scientists, they've been trying for years to create a human body that will function all on its own. They claim they had, they, you know, had created some kind of sheep or something like that and, and all this. Uh, you know, um, the problem with all that is the heart. They may be able to create some artificial limbs and artificial things, but the heart requires something to keep it going. Now, there's people I know that have like uh, batteries that uh, they've had to have implanted inside of them to keep their heart pumping because it's stopped. Uh, but however, the human heart is different from these hearts that they're trying to create by scientists and, and doctors and such. 
they are not able to create a heart that will do all on its own. In other words, a perpetual motion machine. I have been uh, fascinated with perpetual motion ever since I was in the eighth grade. In the eighth grade at Gibbs High School, we made a field trip to Washington, D.C. And we got to see all the wonderful things. We went into the museums. But in the Museum of History and Technology, there was this thing called the, the Falkholz Pendulum. And this was a type of perpetual motion machine. And uh, it hung from the fourth floor of that museum all the way down to the bottom. The pendulum itself was wider than this podium. And there was a large circle on the floor, and it had these markers lined up in, in, a, in a circle. And this pendulum, they would start the pendulum, and it would start swinging. And it would swing back and forth. And as we stood there for, I don't know how long it was, a long time, and watched, it would knock down those markers one at a time as it would go around. The thing is, it looked like the pendulum itself was moving from different spots, but the pendulum was only going one direction. It's actually the earth on its axis rotating that caused it to hit the next marker. But that was a type of perpetual motion machine. The problem is it requires somebody to start that pendulum. The pendulum don't just all on its own say, I'm just going to start knocking down markers. So it takes somebody else having to do it. Now, according to Wikipedia, perpetual motion is motion that continues indefinitely without any external source of energy. This is impossible in practice because of friction and other sources of energy loss. There is a scientific consensus that perpetual motion is impossible as it would violate the first or second law of thermodynamics. Isn't that interesting? Man says it's impossible. But what does God say? With God, all things are possible. It doesn't seem like God had any problem with getting the human heart to beat. This human heart inside of us, it beats continually. And it keeps us alive. It keep, causes our blood to flow. But it doesn't require us every morning getting up and starting. starting. It functions all on its own. And something else unique about the human body that scientists cannot create is that we have a spirit and we have a soul that God has given each of us. No scientist alive or dead could create a spirit or soul, no matter how hard they try. Only God can do that. If you notice in creation, if you go back to Genesis and start looking at creation, day one, two, three, four, and five, you'll notice that God talks about creating this and creating that and speaking this and saying that. But when it comes to man, when it comes to that sixth day, I believe God saved the best for last. His greatest creation. Listen to what it says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. The Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that ever moveth upon the earth. And so God saved the best for last, and he gave us dominion over everything else that he created. Did you notice anything peculiar about those verses? 
He said, let us make it. Let, uh, in our image, after our likeness. He didn't do this with all the rest of creation. We don't see it that way. It's singular. But here it becomes plural, and he mentions us and we, our. Why is he doing that? He's speaking of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when God made man, we know that all three of the triune Godhead were part of that creation. That we all have something from them. You realize before the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, man was created to be perfect. Man could have lived forever without any disease, any sickness, any problems. We could have been that way because that's how God created us. He created us as spiritual beings. Adam was a spiritual man. He was a spiritual being until the fall of man. Before Adam fell, we could have lived forever. Now that's hard to imagine to us today because we're lucky if we get in 70-something years nowadays. But uh, lifespan has, has increased because of modern uh, medicines and uh, people's knowledge on how to take care of themselves. Uh, back uh, several years ago, people died much earlier than they do now. There's folks living to be 100, 104. I saw some ladies 104 years old the other day celebrating a birthday. Uh, but uh, it seems like 100 years is a long time, but when you look back on your life, you realize, you know, it flew by. It just feels like we had Christmas just a month or so ago, and here it is coming up on us in just, what, 70-something days now? Uh, it's hard to believe how fast time flies. And so uh, when we were created, God created us to be perfect, and he created us to be fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, we will probably never experience the type of uh, body or the type of things that Adam did until we reach heaven, when we get out of this old tabernacle that uh, you know we live in now. There's Brother David reading there from Paul's writings this morning about this uh, tabernacle that dissolves. Uh, but we have a building that's uh, made uh, not with hands. And so uh, in the heavens. But friends, do you realize how important that we are to God? You know, and I don't, I don't think we need to brag and say, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm so important to God. I should be lifted up and exalted. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about from the very beginning of time that God had an actual purpose for us. For your life. He had a purpose for you before you was ever even born or even created. Now, will we be obedient to his purpose and will for our lives? Some of us will, some of us will not. Some of us, a lot of people go through life as a free agent, thinking that their number one goal is to please themselves or to get the, the best this or best that or be known as the, the greatest of this or the greatest of that. That's not what God created us for. He had a purpose for us. It's a divine purpose for each and every one of us. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see that? Before. He is before ordained. That means that even before you were created, he ordained you for a purpose. He's got something in mind for you. You know, you may be sitting here saying, well, I've got no clue what God wants me to do. 
Well, you've read in the Bible and seen what it is He wants you to do. Because He'll speak to you through His Word. If you're obedient to the Lord and you pray to the Lord and you ask the Lord to reveal you those things that He wants you to do, you'll find His will for your life. His will for your life is in the Bible. And so that's what we need to do. And people go around all the time, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know why I was born. I don't know what my purpose is. Or read the Bible and find out. Because God tells us what it is. But we are a workmanship that He created us. It says created in Christ Jesus, by the way. Uh, perhaps you've been somewhere and you've seen these craftsmen that have this skill. And uh, it's something that you probably can't do. I, I know there's things I cannot do. I go and see somebody do something. I said, wow, I can't. <laughs> I've got no idea how they're doing that. I know a man, his name's Larry Bailey. And he can take a knife and a block of wood. And in a matter of hours, he can carve out something so intricate that, I mean, it'd be something you'd expect to see on a, on a store shelf to sell uh, and that a machine normally would build. And he can take a knife and a piece of wood and create, he created, he actually carved out a weed eater. It looked like an actual real weed eater and brought it to church and showed me and I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it, it was unreal to me. How did he do that? Because God gave him the ability to do such a thing. But you may know people that, that have a certain craft and they're real good at something. And, or if you've ever watched a potter at the wheel there forming the clay. And of course we all think about the potter and the clay from the Bible that talks about. But they'll, they'll, they'll take that piece of, of pottery or that clay and they'll mold it and shape it in the way that it needs to be on that wheel. They'll make these beautiful pieces of pottery. I've never done that. I've watched people do it. I've never done it myself. I imagine mine would probably have a hole in the bottom of it or the handle would fall off when you picked it up or something. I don't, I don't know. But uh, the Lord, uh, it says in, in Isaiah 64 and 8, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father, we are the clay, and Thou art potter, and we all are the work of Thy hand. So, God, the skillful potter, has created us as something unique and something fearfully and wonderfully made. So what did he create you for? Well, I can tell you one thing he created each one of us for. Get ready for it. To be the bride of his son. The bride of Jesus Christ. From the very beginning of creation, God put the plan into motion to create a bride for his son. It said there in Ephesians 2 and 10, God had before ordained. That means on the sixth day when God created man... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was creating us in His image. God had already planned it out for us to be the bride of Christ. And you better believe that God wants a perfect bride for His Son. You were not created for God's entertainment. You're not some kind of toy that God messes with. Some people think that God's got us on like a, a chessboard and He's moving us around, you know, having fun, doing what He wants to do and, and all this. That's not what God created us for. We are a piece of workmanship that he created. He's ever slowly perfected. And it's our job to allow him to perfect us. That's called your sanctification process. If you've never heard that, that's what we do. We're sanctified when we're, when we're saved. But we go through a daily sanctification process. Where when we walk with God, we walk closely to him and he perfects us. And our goal is to become more like Christ. That's our goal. That's our sanctification but if you allow him to sanctify you, to go through that process daily, to walk closer to him, you'll find that you're looking more like Jesus. You're talking more like Jesus. You're thinking more like Jesus. And that will help you in your, in your daily 
daily life when you realize that you are this workmanship and that you do have a purpose God has given you and it's your job to fulfill that purpose. The Apostle Paul puts it really nice in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, mm-hmm. under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, make an increase of the body and the edifying of itself in love. Did you see it there? We are part of the master plan. Uh, people are always asking, what's my purpose? Well, you need not look any further. It's not a mystery. Our purpose is to grow in our knowledge of Christ, to be perfected, to be edified, so that the bride of Christ can be presented. Mm-hmm. That's, what it's, that's what it's for. Over in the book of Revelation, Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9, the Bible says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of the great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God uh, omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he that saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now, Paul understood this as he wrote the church at Corinth. This is, this is what he's uh, speaking of. In 2 Corinthians 11 2, he said, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So when you think about your life and your purpose and what God's will is for you, remember that He's want, wanting us to be prepared to be the bride of Christ. And so that's a perfecting process. It's a, it's a sanctification process. Now, uh, I started out this message by telling you the title was The Apple of God's Eye. I want you to know as you sit here under the sound of my voice or if you're listening to this on Facebook Live or YouTube or wherever it may be streaming or heard later on on sermon audio or whatever, I want you to know that you are the apple of God's eye. He loves you. He loves each and every one of us. That's why He sent Jesus here to die for us. Because the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we understand that, that uh, God loves us so much that he sent Jesus here for us. We are the apple of his eye. And so my question is, do you see yourself in that way? Or are you like my niece that said that God made a piece of junk? My friend, you are not a piece of junk. God never created anything junk. Every one of us was created in his likeness, in his image. When we were created for a purpose. God is not referred to as the man upstairs. Don't ever say that in front of me. 
That's not who God is. He's not the man upstairs. He's God Almighty. He's the creator. He's the giver of life, the sustainer of life. That's who God is. He's supreme. Is He just someone that you heard from your grandmother or grandfather? Maybe a fond memory of how Granny used to talk about this man Jesus or, or talk about God. Is that all He is to you? Or do you know Him? Now, I don't mean do you know of Him. I mean do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? Have you ever received Him as your Savior? Or is He just someone you've read about? Is He just a fond memory from childhood? We must know Him personally. There must be a time in our life when we've been convicted that we are sinner lost and bound for hell. That we cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to justify ourselves and, and to reach heaven. We must have help. And the only way we can do that is reach to the one who can help us. Mm -hmm. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who died for us, who gave his life for us, who shed his blood for us, who hung on the cross for us, who was buried for us, and who rose again in three days for us, and who sits on the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. That he did all that for us. Listen, I don't know your personal story or the things you've been going through. I don't know your current struggle. Everybody's got a problem right now. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's got health issues, they've got money issues, they've got family issues. There's all kinds of things going on in people's lives. But listen, we have someone that we don't have to be overwhelmed with the things of this life or the cares of this life. We can look to Him for salvation. We can look to Him for His love for us. He said, casting all your cares on me, for I care for you. I want you to God loves you. He wants what's best for you. He created you in His likeness. He created, created you in a workmanship. He created you to be conformed in the image of His Son. Friends, listen. Folks will fail you. Your friends, they may turn their back on you. Your family may reject you and turn you away. But God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will love you forever and ever. Oh, friends, He offered His free gift of salvation. It is free. Does it cost you anything? It cost Jesus everything. Yeah. Yeah. He gave his all on the cross. Would you be willing to accept him today? Would you say, yes, Lord, I realize I'm a lost sinner. And I am bound for hell. There's not a thing I can do for it. But God, I believe that you sent Jesus here to die on the cross to save me from my sins. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah. And God, I want to turn to you for salvation. I want to turn away from my wickedness and from my sin and turn to Jesus as my Savior. Would you be willing to do that today? Is there one today that needs to be saved? Listen, I don't know what the future holds. We talked about Israel already at the beginning of this message. And we know that time's short. A lot of those folks over there, they had no idea until they woke up in the wee hours of the morning being bombed. Did they know they were going to lose their loved ones or lose their own life? We don't know what the future holds. But I do know this. We must be born again. We must be saved if we're going to go to heaven. Our only, only other alternative is a place called hell. God created for the devil and his angels. But the Bible says it enlarges itself daily. The reason for that is for those that have rejected Christ. They've said, you know, I can do it all on my own. I don't need anybody. And they've died and they went to hell. Oh, let's not let that be you to make friends. I want us to stand together.
Brother Scott, would you come get a song? As he comes to get a song, I want us to stand. I want us to pray together. I don't know your heart, like I said. I don't know your situation. But I do know we must be saved today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today just asking for your help, Lord. I thank you for the message and for the truth out of your word. God, I thank you that you did create us in your likeness. You created us for a reason, Lord, to be perfected under the, the image of your Son, Lord, to be the bride of Christ. But God, I'm praying for that one in here today. That maybe one, there may be two, there may be several, God. Maybe even listening online today, Lord, that has never received Christ as their Savior. Lord, they're, they're sinners and they're bound for hell right now. But God, we know that you gave the gift of salvation. They don't have to go there. Lord, would you please convict their heart. Show them the need to be saved today before it's too late. Help us, God. Help us, Father. As we sing the invitation song, God, help us. If there's one, you come down as we're singing today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You come down to the altar today if you need help.